Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Hello and welcome to Bizarre Conspiracies. My name is Eric Patino and I am joined by... Conrad Tull. And today we're talking well about a, a slightly different topic than normal. We're mm. just discussing Genghis Khan yeah. and his empire. Yeah, yeah. So me and Conrad are, are uh, both fans of history, and I thought, what better topic to uh, tackle first than Genghis Khan? Because he conquered the world, basically. <laughs> uh, at least through genetics, right? <laughs> He's everywhere. So. Yeah, unlike Alexander the Great, because um, I think Alexander the Great, all of his descendants were killed, like right by his generals after Alexander's death, and like they killed his uh, descendants and then took his empire. So I would mm. say that Genghis Khan is kind of the opposite of that. Mm. He had kids everywhere, and then those <laughs> kids took everything and then those kids made more kids and now there's genghis khan's everywhere yes we have uh genghis conrad <laughs> eric kong but uh in all series so a little bit of the uh of <laughs> the history of genghis or or is it uh genghis um it's probably more accurate genghis but it's, it's so unnatural to the tongue because uh People have been saying Genghis for years, like since I can remember in history class when I was in high school, it was Genghis. I yeah, was always here. taught, I was, uh, yeah, I was always taught Genghis, but so for the sake of the video, I'm just going to say Genghis. So Genghis Kong, I, I actually found out a pretty funny story uh, about Genghis. I don't know if you know this, Conrad, but uh, so I guess the Mongol tradition of marriage is to work for the family before you get married, right? Yeah. For quite a few years. And, uh, there's this guy who came up to uh, Genghis's mother, who is, I believe, Holin? Holin? Hulin? I don't know. I think it's Holin. Um, and he worked for the family uh, for years on, on the farm. And, he, you know, when he was finally ready to uh, get married and all that, I believe after he got married, uh, Holin... And the, the guy, I can't ever remember his name. I think he's so, uh, <laughs> such a minimal character in the story that I don't think his name is actually in it. But they were, uh, traveling to, uh, I guess, another village to start their life together. And on the way there, they were meted and, um, kind of like a stage attack, right? By, uh, Yus, Yus, uh, Yasugi? Yasugi? I don't know. Genghis's actual yeah. father, Yusugi. Uh, please bear with us because we're going to be stumbling across um, pronunciations all throughout this because um, you s Mo Mongol names are hard <laughs> for us anyway. Yeah. So yeah, I think Yasugi. Yasugi. Uh, yeah. Because I'm looking at it as uh, three different syllables. There's yes, and then that special U, and then uh, gi. 
So right. Yasugi. So he uh, he actually uh, stole his bride. He stole his wife. And uh, even though he was already married at the time, he already had a wife waiting back at, at home for him. And he he uh, stole um, Holin, uh, Genghis's mother, took her as a wife. And I thought, geez, you know, how how bad it must have sucked to have worked for a family for years just to have your wife taken the day of your marriage. Yeah, well, I think that part of that is planned because I think like it's um, part of it is, is um, it's it's a way to insult your enemy is to wait until because it didn't only it, that also happened to Genghis Khan, right? Um, I don't know, actually, but I, I don't think it was uh, some kind of like uh, stage for his enemies or anything. I think he just saw a, another uh, applicable wife. <laughs> for the taking and took it yeah it's i i, I kind of i have i looked up uh, the marriage system in uh mongolia and i can't really find anything that shows that polygamy is extremely common but uh but i don't know it, because part of it is time period a lot of it changes from uh, year century to century, so mm-hmm. I think in that time maybe polygamy was not as crazy as it <laughs> as it would be considered today. Mm-hmm. I don't know. I definitely so. do think that because it seems like it's a common trend, or especially in in the era that we're talking about. And he will find out why. So yeah, that's how Genghis and uh, that's how his parents met. Essentially, uh, his mother was kidnapped, taken in by his father, uh, and was uh, then uh, int- introduced to the family. His family took on another wife, which he had several wives himself mm-hmm. and several well, children. Genghis, Genghis, uh, this is. Genghis Khan's father, right? Yes, Yasugi. Now, he was a leader of a tribe, and I believe that all the tribe leaders are called uh, Khans. Yes. And, and as a leader... Well, it, I, don't, I don't know if he was called Kong. I didn't see anywhere where he was called Kong. He was always referred to as Yasugi. Okay. Um, yeah, I, I don't know either, but it, it does seem as though that as the, the leaders... In all the <laughs> fellows that we ran across, all the the main leaders who uh, were in positions of power all had multiple wives. So this probably isn't too weird of a behavior at all for people of mm-hmm. uh, his rank in Mongolia mm-hmm. at the time. <laughs> and so that's going to catch us up. So around 1171, right? He, like you were saying, Conrad, he was the chief of a village there. Uh, you see he was. And he arranged the marriage of his nine-year-old son, who was a Timujin. That's, that's Genghis Khan. That's his real name, Timujin. Yeah. Uh, arranged his marriage to uh, the daughter of uh, a different chief in a nearby village named Borte. Now, uh, Borte was of the, it wasn't a different village. It was actually a different tribe. So you would actually find uh, many different uh, camps of this one tribe. Mm -hmm. So the tribe that he was marrying into was actually more uh, affluent than his own, Mm -hmm. uh, Temujin. Yeah, and he arranged this marriage for, I want to say, uh, a military... Uh, he he arranged the marriage to have, I guess, more power, a uh, bigger army. And- I think I think so, because... But not that he wanted to get more powerful, but I think he wanted a closer tie to that other um, uh, tribe. Because Genghis Khan's uh, great-grandfather had actually uh, married, uh, taken a wife from that tribe. 
So, uh, and oh, okay. it, it, it was very common to actually want a bride from that um, tribe. And that tribe would use that in the way that, uh, as being an influential one, would bring in, um, because, you know, the, the son would come to work for that tribe mm-hmm. until uh, until after time, and then the, they would marry the daughter. So they would get a lot of free labor that way, I suppose. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, yeah, weird customs. But another thing, when they take, because when Genghis Khan's father, uh, Temujin, I'll call him Temujin, when Temujin's father uh, arranged the marriage and sent Temujin to go live with his soon-to-be uh, in-laws, mm-hmm. they were actually taking over raising him because he was only like 10 at the time, 9, you said? 9, yeah. Um. So they actually would take over raising him and teach him, you know, customs and that sort of thing. So in a lot of ways, they held a lot of power over the future by being able to raise um, uh, the the more promising young men from the other tribes. So they would be able to influence because like they would look around and go, wait a minute, that fella in that tribe uh, is offering his son to marry to my daughter and – his son is not going to be a very important person. So no. But then you find a fellow and you go, yes, that son had a promising future. <laughs> and so in that way, a powerful, um, a powerful tribe can actually increase its power through marriages. Mm-hmm. And on the flip side, the weaker, um, the weaker tribes get to bond closer to that tribe by having um, marriage tying their tribes together. So mm. it's it's a way to supposedly be a humanious union of tribes. Mm-hmm. So I don't know if because um, there's several different stories about how Yasugi actually died, but we it, it's common believed that he died From either poison. yeah well either during the wedding or while Temujin was living with his future in law. Uh-huh. It was shortly after the wedding or. During the wedding. But either way, he was poisoned by, I want to say, the Tartars? The Tartars? Uh, no, Tartars. the Merkits. The Merkins? I think it was the Merkits. I thought it was the Tartars. <laughs> Wasn't the Tartars uh, attacking? No, you're right. You're right. It was the, the, the Tartars. The Tartars. Tartars. That, that's another one that I'm kind of torn on the pronunciation. Because Tartar is another word that like a lot of things are named after them. Because mm-hmm. uh, that's a tribe that's um, – I believe the descendants of them are actually Turks, uh, the, the, the ethnic mm-hmm. uh, group Turks. So a lot of things have been named after the Tartars. Like Tartar sauce is one of those things. <laughs> it is a direct name. But a lot of people, uh, when you're talking directly about them, will call them the Tartars or the, the – or just um, – or just Tars, I think. But so it's one of those things where the pronunciation changes a little mm, bit. Yeah. So yeah, he was poisoned by the Tartars. The, the Merkits come in later. So that, the Tartars were actually a tribe in a, uh, Western Mongolia. Now, if you mm. look at a map, Western Mongolia is close to the Caspian Sea. So, and the Caspian Sea is like on the, the edge of the Middle East. So when you have to, I, I guess you call it the Middle East and Asia Major. I don't know what you would call the rest of Asia if you, uh, are talking about Asia, but not the Middle East. Mm. But it's, it's right at that point. So that's where the Tartars were from. But yeah, so the Tartars poisoned uh, Temujin, Genghis Khan's 
Legend's father. Mm. Yeah, and so legend has it that Timujin tried to take over as the chief for that uh, for his father's clan, but he wasn't accepted. He was actually exiled. Yes, and that was probably the worst part. I would imagine that would be like the lowest point in uh, his life. Uh, okay, maybe not. Maybe not quite yet. Not, not worst- quite yet. <laughs> because the next six years after being exiled he was actually in and out of slavery so i would say that was the lowest point for him so it depends on how which one you're going with because if his father was poisoned at his wedding he was already married at that time and in which case his bride was still staying with his in-laws now um uh uh, his in-laws um but he was not living with his in-laws at the time and I believe that somewhere around in here, he went to go and rejoin with his wife, I believe. Or if in other cases, if his, he hadn't been married at that time, he was going to go and get married at that point. Mm. So he was going to return to get married. Uh, I think it makes sense that he wasn't married yet and he would return to get married. Uh, be- but, because Borte plays a bigger role later on in his life when he's a little older. Right. But it, that's right. But at the time that he was like, you were saying he's in and out of slavery and all right, that. Right. Uh, the story goes, um, he attempted to break free from his captors at one point. Uh, and I believe that his, the people who captured him were actually people who were once allies of his father. But now that his father being dead, were taking advantage of his father's, um, what was left of his father's family. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that is when he may be made one of his most important, maybe not most valuable, but most important <laughs> allies um, as he was running from uh, the, his captors. He hid in a river and as the captors came around, he ran into uh, one guard, came across him and was going to capture him. But he begged the guard to let him go. Mm. And this one guard, I guess, had a change of heart or something. And went and told the others, let's look for him in the daylight. It's too dark to be searching. He can't have gone far. Right. And then he took um, Temujin back and hid him inside the camp, which he had escaped from, inside his own tent. Now, uh, Temujin was a young boy at this time, and the guard who caught him had a son as well. That son and him uh, became good friends, and that son would later go on to be one of his um, generals. Right. So you're talking about Jamuka, right? I believe it was Jamuka. Yeah. 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 He formed his uh, his own clan and stuff with Jamuka, and they uh, they rode together. You know, they would uh, pillage uh, villages, and but you know, eventually, as all things do, I suppose, with Genghis. <laughs> Uh, they, they had a falling out. Yeah, their, their rivalry is a thing of legend. I would oh, say yes. legendary, but yeah, it, it was it's not quite do it justice. Oh, it, yeah, it, well. <laughs> <laughs> uh, it was, I think, the most important combatant of, um, his <laughs> life because he became blood brothers with this, uh, man. Yes. Now, that is a very big thing in that culture. They were supposed to put that, person that they became blood brothers with over themselves in uh, Mm. all (laughs) in all circumstances and then they had the most legendary falling out (laughs) of all time these both legendary um generals uh now kamujin uh i suppose 
it's important to bring up the predicament that his wife fell into uh, after after um, Temujin uh, and uh, Jamuka uh, be- began to grow successful in their uh, their uh, wars and all of that against the the people who captured him, wasn't it the the, the Tatars? Yeah, he fight, I believe he defeated them first, and then after having defeated them, he went and I believe he. Uh, Either went he went and got his wife at that point, uh, Borte, and she had a dowry, which was a sable uh, a, a sable jacket, the the animal uh, a sable, and he went and he took that and gave it to another fellow and made an alliance with him and got uh, I think some some more soldiers out of that whole deal, mm. um, but it was more of not that he purchased them with the uh, coat, but that he uh, made a friendship and then the friend became an ally and lent troops on a yeah. joint uh, venture. But uh, shortly after this, um, they were attacked by the Merkits, not the, the Tartars. The Tartars were, I think, defeated at that point. And then the Merkits uh, came and attacked and captured his wife, Borte. So he went back and looked for his old friend, Jamugan, um, because a few years had, would have passed since he had seen him at this point, and Jamugan had become a ruler of his own um, Oh, tribe. yes. And he enlisted the help of uh, Jamugan to go and fight the Merkits. And the two of them utterly devastated the Mer- Merkits. It was mm-hmm. quite the... Uh, Quite the waffle stomp. <laughs> and in the pillaging and the sacking of their camp, uh, 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 <laughs> uh, Temujin found his wife, uh, Borte, and all seemed as though it was looking to a bright and wonderful future. But I, a disagreement had broken out in the, um, the, between the two strategians exactly on how to go about attacking the Merkits. Mm. And through the, the fight, it, I, it's planted this, um, thought in both of their heads of that they both needed to be the, the one who takes superiority of command. And both, ni- neither of them were of the persuasion to be a subordinate to the other. Mm. Both, both of them had to be leader. And as Jamugan would later put it, there can only be one sun in the sky. And that led about to... Jeez, uh, <laughs> that, that was so correct. It would be interesting to see exactly what would have happened had um, Jamu- Jamuka um, triumphed over uh, Genghis. <laughs> see, uh, if he, Jam- he, he if- wouldn't have been... The insane leader that Timujin became. Probably not. No. But it would have been interesting that if it had been either of them, that either would would have ended with such great success. I don't know. But it didn't. That is not how it ended. Uh, Jamukin did not triumph. There was an epic battle, right? Uh, Yes. I believe it was called the Battle of the Thirteen Sides. Yes, because uh, Jamugan went and enlisted the help of an ally – if I can find a name, uh, Togril, who was also a former ally of um, Genghis. Oh, yeah, okay. So uh, uh, Togril had was uh, also had actually helped Temujin rescue uh, his wife uh, from 
uh, <laughs> from the uh, the Merkits. So these the three masterminds. Uh, oh wait, I think I'm I think hmm? I think we missed something. So there were two battles oh. that Timujin and Jamuka did. So the first battle, Jamuka actually won. He had yeah. So in 1187, Jamuka attacked uh, Temujin, which is Genghis, with around 30,000 men against Temujin's 20,000 men and defeated Temujin. And this is where Temujin disappeared for 10 years. He reappeared in 1197, where he commanded the war against, uh, would you say Taurus or Tartarus? Uh, so he attacked them to avenge his father's death and won the battle. And then, and yeah. he, and then in 1201, this is the battle of the 13 sides. Mm-hmm. And the reason is because in his absence, uh, Togril and Jamukin had actually um, gone and fought each other at that time. So that is why there were so many sides. There was um, many different allies being brought in, and it was a three-way a three-way contest. <laughs> I thought I thought they just wanted to have a cool name. <laughs> so yeah, yeah. It also, it's important to note that during the Battle of the Thirteen Sides, technically Jamuka was a Kong. He had the title of Kong during this battle, which infuriated Temujin. This is why he wanted to defeat him. And this war lasted for five years. It's an insane war. But and I suppose at the end of this great and bloody war, uh, mm. Temujin's. Uh, military genius could not be denied. And I believe with the help of his new generals, which it's important to note that after going to exile, uh, Temujin restructured a lot of the ways that he did things. He no longer based his, um, his choices of commanders and, uh, soldiers upon, uh, strategic. It wasn't like, oh, this guy would be very helpful. I will make him my general and that way he'll be loyal to me and to gain, um, he didn't, uh, to gain treaties through putting people in position. He started basing everything purely on a mirror, uh, a merit system where he would only promote people if they showed their worth. And which is where he, um, and it was through this system that he, uh, two of his greatest generals, uh, Sabati and, uh, Jibi, uh, he, he had, which oh, became, oh, Jeve? yeah. Yeah. So it's actually funny how he got Jeve. He, <laughs> he was shot in the neck by an arrow. And when he went to go look for the guy who shot him, which was on the enemy's side, found out who it was. And, you know, the guy confessed was like, yeah, okay, it was me. And instead of capturing him, and killing him or torturing him or whatever like a normal ruler would do he actually got him to join his army which i thought it was crazy he's like you clearly have the skill join my army (laughs) (laughs) yes instead of being like oh my gosh how dare you shoot me he's like "Hmm, good shot do you want a job (laughs) (laughs) you seriously Um, wounded me there i could not twist my neck for weeks (laughs) It's actually 
very it's i think a good point to point out at this moment exactly what made genghis khan the master ruler which he was and that was he knew how to treat um, a defeat and how he knew how to treat a victory he didn't just he, he would be able to judge each individual victory and how to capitalize on a victory which it seems kind of a weird thing to say because you're like if you win you've won but he would know how to take a victory and turn it from just a regular victory and leverage it to its fullest potential in some cases you know he would look at a situation and go all right it is best for me to completely demolish and sack my enemy and in other cases he would go okay now is the time to show a ridiculous amount of mercy to my fallen enemies and to show mm. those with uh respect and he n- went one of two ways it was never in the middle where he was like okay these folks though i'm going to conquer them but they're i'm going to completely change their way of life mm-hmm. it was always he always allowed people to keep their customs and he would honor and respect oh, yeah. their ways he he was a pretty religious man himself but he never uh told anyone that they couldn't practice their certain religions he did yeah. not banish any religion in his uh in his empire i guess you could call it and he wasn't really a uh conquering uh what would you call that a converter he he was like yeah i don't I, I don't feel a need to try and convert everyone I've run across. <laughs> but I think that's why his generals were so loyal, not just generals, but his, his army was so loyal to him. And that I think brought about, um, not only that it made his generals very loyal to him, but that, that brought about the fact that he did not ever have to quell rebellion. Oh yeah. Or I mean, he, he, uh, there was a few that he did, but v- if you look at the many different conquerors throughout history, the amount of rebellions that Genghis Khan had to quell is so far less than many of the other conquerors. And the reason for that is he knew how to capitalize on a victory. Mm-hmm. And so we, um, as you were saying about his generals being loyal to him, yeah. Oh, <laughs> no, I was waiting uh, for you. <laughs> yeah. So that was another thing that he was, he learned is he, um, he, <laughs> he had this constant battle between, um, family and betrayal, his family. And uh, yes. he, uh, in fact, as his brother, his father had many wives, he had uh, many step siblings. He <laughs> had, he, and his, his full blooded brother, which is not mentioned all that much after he comes the power but uh early on uh, his one of his full blood brothers supported him and actually murdered one of his um rivals in his own uh clan as uh, so he could become uh the leader of his clan so even in his own family he was always struggling with disloyalty in his family but that was never the case with an appointed general where he was like this general i am appointing because i think this guy would be good at the job never did one of his generals turn on him one of his non-blood generals Mm -hmm. his blood generals yes (laughs) the ones that he didn't have a choice in choosing but the ones that he didn't they were always very loyal to him which speaks magnitudes to his I, th- I think his, in a way. I think his sons gave him more trouble than his... Uh, yes. Yeah. Particularly his oldest son. Yes, because he wanted more power and he wasn't giving it to his older son. He's actually giving it to his younger son. Yeah. But, but we're kind of skipping along. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but, okay, so the, the leader... So the, the year that the, the 13 sides battle with mm-hmm. Jamuka happened, that was the same year that the consul, the Mongol consul came together and official 
officially named Temujin Genghis Kong, which means the leader of all. Which is a very important thing because uh, Genghis Khan uh, is also called today uh, the father of Mongolia. He's and the father a lot of, of the Mongolians, world. And a lot of Mongolians will call him um, uh, um, something like our father or something like that. And the reason for that is until Genghis Khan came around, there had been many tribes that were constantly warring at each other. But when he became the first unopposed unilateral ruler <laughs> of all of Mongolia, yeah. it has always remained a very stable and strong uh, coalition. Since well, then. he united all of Mongolia. Yes, which had never been done before. Right. So that it, it was no small feat that <laughs> he was able to bring. And that's uh, a little bit of jumping too far forward. But he had this way of bringing a massive amount of unity to a very diverse kingdom. <laughs> so, and I think that this start, that this was just something that he was good at. Is he yeah. was like, you know what? I have a way of making people get along. And a lot of that, it, it's weird because he's this mix between a dictator and a fellow <laughs> who, who is very giving. Not he, giving, but he's like, yes, we're going to do things. He was like, you- he was almost like a, uh, oh, what's it called? <sighs> That spiritual leader. Do you know what I'm talking about? The spirit, the Indian spiritual leader. Uh, shaman. Ah, I have his name at the tip of my tongue, but I just can't say it. Oh, uh, what time period? Uh, I suppose now. I think there's one still around. Oh, <laughs> Gandhi. Gandhi. Oh, he was kind of like a, like a, a like a highly sex driven Gandhi. <laughs> I, I don't know. He was not even close to a pacifist, <laughs> but he did. Uh, I'll bring that up in conclusion. Okay. But <laughs> uh, Genghis Khan uh, becoming ruler of all of Mongolia is where we were at. Yes. And he brought all of these warring tribes together. And that was an important thing because these nomadic tribes had always been warring with each other. And for the first time, they I suppose he brought stability to Mongolia. And now without them follow, fighting each other constantly, that allowed the Mongolians to thrive in a way that they had never done before. And that allowed Genghis Khan to take his armies and, and unite them from all of Mongolia and leverage them outwards onto the unsuspecting Asia at large in a horde that none of them were ready for. Mm-hmm. Are you talking about the war with China? Uh, I'm talking about just the fact that Genghis Khan, I don't think, lost a battle after that. He he kind of did. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> but this was like, you know, later towards the end of his life. But the, the idea is um, his generals um, and him fought hundreds of battles. Oh, yeah. At, in the coming uh, what, 20 years. One of the greatest uh, battles that he did after that was when he waged war against China because China wanted to have the Mongols as slaves. He wanted to enslave the, the China wanted to enslave the Mongols. Right. So Genghis was like, <laughs> buddy, you've cleared never heard of me so <laughs> what he did was uh, it was more like i've been slave didn't like it too much <laughs> so what he did was uh, i believe this was the first time he implemented the strategy he split his army into two and the main army was led by 
uh, Khan himself, right? It was was something like sixty thousand uh, in his army, in his main army, and then his other army, which was led by his, uh, I believe, his youngest son. Is his youngest or his oldest? O- Otuda was that his oldest or his youngest? That would be his youngest. It's not his. He's not oldest. Okay. His oldest is. Um, it starts with a J. Maybe it was the middle child. I don't know, but it, it was led by Otuga. Yeah, that was about uh, one of his favorite sons. I think. <laughs> And, uh, his, yeah, the secondary army had like 30,000, uh, men in that one as well. So when they divided, they kind of like did this divide and conquer strategy where the main army, Kong, was in the front. This was the army that was easily visible for, uh, Beijing to, to see and to like counteract with their own army. While his son, uh, secondary army went around the mountain to, to come, uh, to come attack by the side. And, uh... Yeah. yeah, so yeah, that would have been his uh, third son. But he had f- he had four sons. I thought he had five. Okay, so he had he had four sons. Uh, I'm sure he had around like twenty. Uh, well, no, no, he had more than that. But I'm talking about his sons that. Um, oh, the main one. Uh, the the so main one. He had he had many different wives, but uh, Borte remained his main wife uh, throughout his entire life, and uh, she gave birth to four sons. Um, Joshi with his oldest. Uh, then there was. Uh, oh boy, this is hard. Chagyati, Chagyati, <laughs> and then Ogeti, and then Toili. So, um, hmm. and I think that um, his two younger sons turned out to be his his more useful sons. Though uh, I think that his oldest son Joshi was a very headstrong, very headstrong son who wasn't liked by he very was. many. <laughs> I don't think he. Um, he really obeyed Genghis's orders all that well either. No, in fact, I think he even uh, at one point gave uh, death threats to Genghis Khan. Yes, he did. So but yes, he he uh, invaded Beijing again because uh, Winter had came in the first time, and so I guess they left the, the fear of the winter. I guess they weren't uh, suited for uh, invading during the winter. I have no idea. I thought Mon- Mongolia was a, a harsh winter as well. Uh, well I could maybe, be wrong. I could be wrong. I don't know. Maybe this is not the the first time that I've heard about the Mongolians. Um, it, uh, the, so here's the thing about winter. I think it, it. I don't think they wanted to be in a siege during winter uh-huh. because um, you don't want to just be sitting in one spot during winter. Sure. If they were, I think traveling during winter would have been just fine if they were traveling over an area where they could constantly be collecting food. But to sit still during winter in one spot probably would have uh, been too much for an army to handle. Mm. Yeah, so 1213, like I said, he uh, returned to Beijing to attack once again. But he surrounded the city of Beijing and waited for the enemy to come out and, uh, I guess, start the attack. Now, do you know if Beijing was part of the the Jin dynasty? I believe it was, actually. Yeah. Because there was another issue that he ran across at the time, and that was gunpowder. First mm. time that it had been used in combat in great scale was against the Mongolians by the Chinese. It very now, well could have been because, like I said, he, he invaded more than once because while they were semi-successful the first time, like I said, they uh, they left just before the winter came. And when they came back and surrounded the, uh, the enemy around the city, they kind of just waited, like they set up camp and waited. And some, something weird, uh, some kind of weird sickness 
this started going around the camp that made the the Mongols sick. So they retreated. And just before they reached the the wall of China, there was a a messenger galloping all the way to Genghis, telling him that uh, Beijing had sent its armies over, had moved its armies, I should say. What was it? To the... Oh, God. To the south of their position, uh, basically telling uh, Genghis Khan that they were going to retaliate fairly soon. And this infuriated Genghis, and he actually, instead of going just back home while everybody's sick, he actually went back to Beijing, conquered it, and it was said that the cities uh, had burned for a month. That was one thing about Genghis Khan. When you put up a heavy fight, and you were very successful, and then he eventually defeated you, he would definitely make um, oh, yeah. he, an example of you. He burned the city down, and not only that, like they were looting the whole time as well, so they would uh, constantly be sending people back with the loot back to Mongolia while he was just there <laughs> massacring the people. It was insane. Uh, another thing that would happen uh, uh, is he would specifically, if he, and sometimes he would uh, kill entire cities and there wouldn't be any, he would only leave a few survivors and the, the survivors would flee to other cities to tell about the horrible slaughter. Mm. And other times he would only kill uh, the top um, class, I suppose, the the wealthy families and the um, the, the rulers, mm. the people who had power and influence. And then without their leaders, uh, he would then put in charge his own commanders and his own um, – a lot of times it would be his wives actually because he had dozens of wives. Mm. Uh, and he would leave a wife in each city to be the uh, mayor – I suppose. <laughs> and uh, they would uh, administer his laws and um, all of that over the people. And with the, with their leaders gone and then given a, a, a new leader. And it, the funny thing about Genghis Khan is he was actually quite a generous um, conqueror if he didn't completely slaughter you. If he decided to let you live, he really let you live. But if he decided to kill you, he really killed you. Uh-huh. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, it, when he left them uh, alive, um, the Mongolian Empire was known to have a low taxes as well as um, lots of liberties and freedoms, as mm-hmm. well as being able to keep your customs and traditions. So that uh, allowed him, um, yeah, to keep keep moving on with his uh, army and not having to leave behind large garrisons. Mm-hmm. Uh, but the the weapon that would be used against uh, Genghis Khan uh, when he was sacking cities, not sacking cities, but attacking uh, Chinese cities, w- was given the name Heaven Shaking Thunder Bomb. Heaven Shaking Thunder Bomb. Hmm. Uh, and it was a metal sphere that was feel, filled with gunpowder and then would be flung out of catapult with a fuse. Uh, the explosion... Uh, was um, was only to be described as thunder, so that's how it got its name. Uh, and it was known to have a, a radius where radius where it incinerate any soldier within it within 25 feet of uh, its point of explosion, and then there was shrapnel beyond that. Mm. Uh, and it, it was such an effective bomb that Genghis Khan actually had to um, hire uh, siege engineers from the Middle East. For, um, some from the uh, I, I I suppose they were Ottoman uh, engineers. I don't know have to build him build tribuches for him, so that way he could um, combat the walled cities that he was having so much difficulty with. Because used to the way that he would deal with um, uh, 
uh, walled cities is he would send in um, uh, laborers uh, mm-hmm. under under shields to go right up against the wall and dig a hole underneath the the wall, and then they w- would um, it was called sapping. They would sap the the wall and cause the the tunnels to collapse underneath the wall, and the whole wall would crumble. But with the bombs, uh, when his sappers tried to get close to the wall, they would take um, these bombs and lower them down on ropes and explode them right among the shields of the uh, the sappers. So that that may have had to deal with, uh, may have been one of the reasons why he is having difficulty dealing with the, the walled cities of China. Mm. But uh-huh. after defeating the Chinese, the uh, heaven-shaking thunder bombs fell into the Mongolian hands and became a new weapon in his arsenal. Which is another thing that Genghis Khan was well known for doing is adopting uh, uh, strategies and tactics from his enemies. Oh, yes. Not just making tactics that um, would defeat his enemies, but he would then later use his enemies' tactics to defeat other enemies. Uh, Another weapon that he would use, which would be the, uh, I suppose, precursor to... uh, a firearm uh, that they had was a flame lance. It was a paper tube, a very thick paper tube uh, that was full of uh, uh, where is it? I had the I had the <laughs> recipe for it. Um, it had gunpowder, but it wasn't quite the gunpowder that we would know. It did, it had a stronger car, uh, charcoal um, portion mm-hmm. of it, and it had a few other things in it that weren't, wasn't found in general um, black iron, uh, black powder. Um, and the thing is, when with this, um, it was actually more like a flamethrower. Yeah, this tube, as it burned, would shoot out a jet of flame that would go about 15 feet until the uh, till the um, gunpowder on the inside finished burning. Uh, so the flight of the fire lance, the flying fire lance, mm. uh, to make it, they'd use chai chai hung paper, 16 layers for the tube, uh, a bit longer than two feet. It was stuffed with willow charcoal, iron fragments, magnets, sulfur, uh, salt, pepper, and a few other ingredients and you would put the fuse in the end uh, and then you would have a little iron pot where you'd keep hot coals that you would light it on fire with uh, it would shoot out fire in front of the lance more than 10 feet uh, when the gunpowder was depleted the tube would not be destroyed uh, while the mongol soldiers typically had uh, disdain towards the jinn weapons uh, they apparently greatly feared the flying fire lance and the, he- <laughs> and the heaven shaking thunder bomb so so, Jeez. Um, once, uh, what city was this? Uh, yes. When they conquered uh, Beijing, all the metal in the city had actually been melted down to be made into mm. these uh, cans, which they filled with the um, explosives. Even gold and silver towards the end was uh, used against the Mongols until <laughs> they had depleted all the metal inside of the city to make their bombs. Mm. That's crazy. That is crazy. Well, I guess uh, when we come back from the break, we could uh, do our final analysis of oh, Genghis well, Khan. Oh, we haven't gotten to the part where he invaded the Middle East and Russia. Uh, I got a little <laughs> bit of Russia uh, that I was going to say towards the end. So I think that wasn't that one of the last places he tried to conquer? Uh, yes, it was. Yeah. So all that and more when we come back. And we're back from the break. So... You said there was uh, a few more uh, uh, battles that Genghis had did, right? <laughs> or you wanted uh, to talk yeah. about the the Russian one, maybe? Uh, so 
a lot of those uh, happened uh, towards the the end of his life. But uh, there was a um, actually a, a kingdom I had never heard of um, before uh, that he. I suppose it would be from current day Pakistan uh, to I suppose the far west of Iran up to Kakistan. Uh, so uh, the the far. Uh, <laughs> I guess the east side of the Middle East is what I'm trying to say. Uh-huh. Um, and it was the, okay, you can do this, you can do this, Karawazamai Empire. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Uh, All right. It's spelled K-H-W-A-R-A-Z-M-I-A-N. Karawazamai I'm not, <laughs> not going to try to pronounce it. And... Uh, um, Genghis Khan was originally just planning on trading with them along the Silk Road with them. Um, And from his riches, a lot of his uh, leaders and generals uh, put together and invested into this caravan, a uh, a 500-man caravan, which they sent uh, to (sighs) Karawazamania. The... King uh, of Karawazamania decided who his name Sher Allah Adin Muhammad uh, instead of trying to I suppose what what's the word accommodate this caravan uh, mm-hmm. claimed that there were spies hidden among the caravan and had the caravan attacked and looted uh, Genghis Khan sent uh, it, it's a uh, he had uh, ambassadors among the caravan. Um, uh, so uh, Genghis Khan then sent a second set of ambassadors uh, to Karawazamania um, and uh, these separate from caravan mm-hmm. to try and meet with the king uh, amongst the mounting tensions. Uh, the king, uh, this, uh, I guess it wasn't a king, this would be a uh, sultan. Uh, had the the ambassador seized, shaved two of them's, uh, um, shaved their beards and head. Uh, so I guess that's an insult. And beheaded the third, and wow. then sent the two back with the head of the first, uh, the head of the third, I should say. So uh, Genghis Khan did not take to that too well. He then amassed his largest in campaign, uh, which was ten thousand soldiers. It, and his most capable generals uh, and his son uh, Ogadia, which was his going, which he had already appointed to be his successor. So he was going to war with his generals, his biggest army. Well, I guess several of his armies combined, his two generals and his successor. So uh, mm-hmm. yeah, royally pissed. Uh, and then. So they completely conquered the empire. Um, his his first son, though, was then sent off with a division to the northeast. And then a second division was sent under Jebi, his general who shot him with a bow <laughs> back when they met. Yeah. Uh, uh, went to the south and um, Genghis Khan and Toli, his youngest son, uh, went uh, to the middle. Uh, they... Uh, yeah, and they conquered and devastated wherever they went. Uh, then later, uh, I suppose after conquering this empire, that was the furthest that they extended, um, uh, Genghis Khan extended to that point. Uh, I believe that was the last campaign uh, that he went on, Genghis Khan. 
Mm-hmm. Um, to Russia or to, no, that, no, no. to that place you were talking about? To the Middle East. Russia, the invasions <laughs> of Russia and further into the Middle East and then further into China uh, went uh, were was later under uh, other cons after Genghis Khan. Mm. Um, like Kublai Khan. Kublai Khan, uh, uh, who was uh, Genghis Khan's grandson, uh, conquered the rest of China. So, you know, if you look at the, uh, the China as we know today, you'll see up there around the, the Yellow Sea by um, Korea. Mm-hmm. Uh, the, around the Yellow Sea was as far as Genghis Khan went. Uh, he conquered the dynasty of Jin. Uh, but later, um, not, not the dynasty, but the, the group Jin. Mm. Uh, later, his uh, descendants would go on to conquer the southern part of China, the Songs. Uh, the Songs? Yeah, Song. Okay. Um, like S-U-N-G? Yes, okay. exactly. Okay. Oh, I forgot to mention that uh, Sabai uh, was also in their invasion of the Middle East. Funny thing about Sabai is he was uh, Genghis Khan's... Um, uh, I suppose, even though I suppose maybe not the most loyal, but he was the most successful of Genghis Khan's uh, generals. He was uh, he won more victories than any of Genghis Khan's other generals. He was mm. uh, he set a record for the most territory gained in time. Like, he was a fast invader. He would he would start invading a spot and cover territory and then keep go to another area, defeat that army, go to the next place. And his blitz across um, <laughs> Asia with, with such speed was never replicated anywhere else until the invention of mechanized um, machines where they had trucks and that sort of thing. So oh, nice. as far as a horseback record, a Sabaiti was set the record for speed of conquest on horseback. Mm. Anyway, just an interesting footnote I wanted to stick in there. But then Genghis Khan uh, headed back, and I believe that is when he died at a fairly young age. Um, but I suppose now we would uh, go well, over his... I, I got him dying at around 64 years old. Right. Well, yes. But he, he's... Um, that's not... I suppose maybe that was old for the time, but that's not... Not as old as you some generals... And not sure. generals, but some. The th- uh, Kublai Khan lived to be much older. I don't know much about Kublai Khan, so. <clears throat> but I got some random facts about Genghis Khan here. So, did you know he was 46 when he became Genghis Khan? No. Yeah, at 46, very young, uh, to have such a, a title of being the leader of all. Yeah. And as we mentioned before, you know, Genghis Khan had many wives and a number of children. Too many, in fact, to name. And most of them were never even written down. How crazy is that? It yeah. was uh, estimated that Genghis killed around 40 million people in total. That's it's really a- hard, though, to pinpoint exactly uh, how many people he killed because right right uh, see he his invasion uh, uh his empire was uh see when did the black plague happen it was in 13 1350 so that was only a few a few uh, i guess actually that was a while later wasn't it but it was between uh, it's kind of hard because there was a lot of plagues and a lot of other things that happened around that time. Mm. So it's hard to pinpoint exactly which ones were his and which ones were others. Mm. But yes, by far, 
slaughtered <laughs> much more than any other Mongol probably ever has. That's for sure. Um, and uh, an, I suppose another thing is th- that is so. Here's the thing I'm wondering. Uh-huh. With the ones that he killed, but he also brought about a huge empire, right? Yeah. And there was very little infighting. There was tons of infighting with these tribes beforehand. Mm-hmm. So one question is, which way does it go? Um, well, not which way, but because he stopped a lot of combat, right? Mm-hmm. By winning. <laughs> he put an end to a lot of continuously tri- uh, tribal fighting. So the question is, he slaughtered tons. <laughs> yeah. But he also stopped a lot of fighting by slaughtering tons. Mm-hmm. So he, he could have potentially ended hundreds and hundreds of years of ongoing uh, wars that sure. would have continued without him. So in the long run, did he kill more or did he save more? That's a question that I'm sure people could argue till they're blue in the oh, face and never get an answer. Probably. I wouldn't even know where to begin on that. Yeah. Um, but yeah, there's a, a little more here. Actually, the one that I found most interesting is that his uh, death is kind of a mystery. It is. But here's the thing. Those who would want him dead died before him. Yeah. So um, his son, whom um, now that see, his son was not well liked. So his death threats may have not actually happened. He may have not actually made those could have just been stories spread about by those who disliked him. Um, but his oldest son, Jim, Jim, you would know it better than me. Oh, hold up. <laughs> I'm on the, uh, no, there it is. Joshi, Jachi. Uh, Jachi was not well liked. Um, and there was <clears throat> always a lot of conflict between um, him and the other brothers. Mm. And part of that was due to the circumstances under which Joshi was born. If you remember, uh, his uh, their mm-hmm. mother, um, mm-hmm. Borte, uh, had been <clears throat> captured at, right after Genghis Khan had married her. And that she was rescued about eight months after she was uh, rescued, uh, <laughs> uh, she gave birth. No, no, no. Let me, let me put it. She was captured for eight months. Right after she was captured, she gave birth. So it, mm-hmm. it, there was always a discussion about exactly who the father was, whether or not he was actually Genghis Khan's son. Because like, it's right at that point where you're like, eh, well, it's counting days here. I, if it had been an exceptionally long pregnancy, could easily be Genghis Khan's, but then it could also be a short pregnancy and not be his <laughs> at all. So um, he was not particularly so the legitimacy of his um, his air air airship was disputed, but Genghis Khan always treated him as a son and never right. and, and actually hated. Even the thought that it wasn't his son. And I think part of that is because he thought it is possible that his son wasn't his son. But he he himself may have had some doubt. Mm -hmm. And that is why he fought such an idea with such vigor is he was possibly didn't even want to consider that perhaps he was raising somebody else's son. Right. (laughs) Which I guess brings up another question. Does it really matter if it was his son or not? I don't think it does. I mean, if not, it was his stepson at worst. Um, But um, I mean, he had so many kids. So many kids. Um, 
but I think that Joshi was raised with a, a little bit of a chip on his shoulder. Um, and then he was a hothead, and I don't think that Genghis Khan thought that he was suitable for um, his uh, for him to become leader. Uh, his uh, second-born son, uh, Chatigi Chag Chagatiga. Chagged? Oh boy. Shack O'Neill. <laughs> three A's in that word. Chagity. Chagata? Chagati? Chag. Okay. I'll call him Chag. <laughs> Chag, his second born son, was also considered unstable and having a rash temper. Uh, and made statements saying that he would not follow Joshi if Joshi was made successor. Um, and then Genghis Khan would not pick his youngest son due to tradition that you could not um, put uh, the youngest son under that because they, the youngest son had a different responsibility um, in the family. Uh, I, I think that the youngest sons were generally uh, considered more of someone that would, um, I don't know, be su- uh, a support supportive and i think that that part of that comes out of the fact that most of the time uh older siblings tend to be more absurdive than the younger siblings to start with so uh genghis khan gave decided to give the throne to his third born ogadi <laughs> oh yeah uh, i'm gonna go with that ogadi <laughs> ogadi uh, uh because he was a relatively a stable fella who uh was generally seen as a peacemaker between his two quarreling brothers mm-hmm. um uh, uh so uh, joshi was rumored to have had made plans to kill um, genghis khan and form an alliance with uh, sultan muhammad uh and um to, to um i guess combat his brothers um However, uh, Sultan the Sultan Muhammad uh, later died, and then a few years after that, Joshi died, and then after that was when Genghis Khan died. So Genghis Khan outlived both of them. Mm. Uh, but before Joshi died, he did make uh, one thing that was pretty important, and that was the Golden Horde. Have you heard of it? I have not. Uh, so Joshi had two children who after Genghis Khan's death uh, the empire was to be split up among his four sons uh, Ogadi would have the largest portion in the east and that would be Mongolia China and um, a Tibet uh, the next son um, Chag 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 <laughs> uh. was going to have uh, the area which would be current day um Pakistan uh. and then uh the 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 other brother um the youngest Tuli Tuli would have the Middle East and Josh, uh, Joshi the oldest would uh, have the northern portion over by the Caspian Sea so uh, in the Caspian Sea um his uh, Joshi's two sons and him created what was called the Golden Horde, and it was a um, an army uh, a, a made up of, uh, I guess, regular Mongolian soldiers. That later his two sons would use the gold would lead the Golden Horde into Russia and conquer it. So mm. one of the few empires to ever conquer Russia, and the secret was they conquered it from the east, not the west. And the funny thing. <laughs> Uh, this kind of stuck out to me. You know how uh, both uh, Napoleon and Hitler both were bogged down in, by the winter, and that was what ended their um, invasion of Russia, the mm-hmm. cold, harsh winter Russian mm-hmm. war. 
the Mongols had no such problem. Their, uh, their forces were actually halted when the spring came and followed the road, turning into mud. So <laughs> their issue was not that winter came, but that winter left. <laughs> okay. So uh, it, to me, it kind of reminded me of that, that Batman movie. Uh, the Mongolians like, oh, you uh, have adopted the cold as your ally. I was born into the cold. <laughs> I believe it was it. the darkness. Yes, but it's changed, you know, because it's the Mongols. Oh, you, you merely adapted into the cold, you Russians. I was born in the cold. Yeah. <laughs> so, um, and then uh, Ogidi's son, uh, l- well, later would take over the empire, uh, his son Kubla, which is funny because Kubla Khan, they just used his name, Kubla. They didn't give him the name Genghis. Uh-huh. I, because Genghis meant ruler of all, right? right? So Kubla Khan, they actually used his name. Which that I guess it kind guess of fits his name though, Kublai Khan. Yeah, yeah. And it's I'm kind of glad they went with Genghis Khan. I wouldn't want to have to say something like um, Timujin Khan. <laughs> Timujin Khan. I don't. I, that it doesn't does not, sound doesn't sound too bad. It really doesn't have the ring of Genghis. the legendary uh, warrior who ruled all of Asia, you know? Yeah, yeah. Genghis Khan. That, it sounds like something that you, you would, you, you reserve that name for like the great, but, uh, Temujin Khan. Temujin Khan. I don't know. I think that the first name overpowers the Khan part, so it's like, you put the whole emphasis on getting his name right. Yeah. But yeah, that, uh, is pretty much the life and death of Kublai Khan. Uh, Genghis Khan. <laughs> we could talk about Kublai Khan if you guys want, but uh, yeah, oh, that's, that's Genghis did Khan. Did you know show. when um, Marco Polo made his way to uh, China, do you know who was sitting on the throne at the time? It was Kublai Khan. He met Kublai Khan. I didn't know that. Yeah. And Kublai Khan asked Wait, him. who? Marco, Kublai Khan. Marco Polo? Marco, yeah. And so when they say that Genghis... Uh, <laughs> Marco Polo. (laughs) Marco Polo went to China on the Silk Road. He actually went to Mongolia. Oh, interesting. And then uh, he was very impressed with the wealth of Kublai Khan and the the knowledge because, you know, Kublai Khan was known as a scholar. And as Genghis Khan, you know, tolerated all the um, uh, cultures from everywhere, Kublai Khan went and tried to gather as much knowledge and different um, sciences and things as possible. And so what you would find in his empire with all of Asia was represented in his capital. And that is when Marco Polo found the uh, um, th- that's how he found it. <laughs> it. Not not how he found it, but that's the state in which he found it is what I'm trying to say. Mm-hmm. Uh, so he was able to see all the riches of the Orient in one place. Uh-huh. So he was his mind was quite blown away, and he wrote his famous book, and uh, that is what started the uh, the fever of the Silk Road. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that lasted until. Uh, I think after the Crusades and the fall of Constantinople, uh, and once the fall of Constantinople happened, it cut off the uh, Silk Road to China or Mongolia. Uh, I don't know mm. which. But along the uh, Black Road, did you know that the uh, Black Plague spread to Europe along 
the black uh, the uh, silk road so yeah no, i didn't know that not everything was uh on the silk road was wonderful <laughs> but the uh the 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 black plague was actually worse in asia than it was in the in europe and it was terrible in europe it's estimated that two-thirds of asia died or china died in the black plague really yeah two third think about uh, that that's quite a lot and that was only in that space of four years i mean could you imagine the aftermath of that you're standing around and the, you know the cities were hit worse than the um than because you know the death uh, like 90 percent of cities would die there would be like barely any survivors in the cities and in the um in the, in the the country, there would be more survivors, but there'd still be a lot of death. But could you imagine, like, the ghost town that would be left everywhere? Two-thirds? That's insane. Yeah. But, uh, well, yeah. Ah, oh, one thing that I want to talk about was polygamy. <laughs> was what? Polygamy. Oh, so, okay. <laughs> what are your opinions of a ruler having dozens of wives? I, I You said that, I, I've heard you say before that you didn't think that humans were meant to have one mate for life i think it's wonderful <laughs> i uh, i just got an emergency alert on my phone i don't know if you got one but it Not says yet. for me it says uh, stay home the covid19 virus is spreading rapidly across bear county Local hospitals are approaching capacity. Protect yourself and your family by staying home. Wear hmm. a face covering and avoid gatherings with people outside your household. Hmm. Interesting. So I did know that we were, we had a massive uh, second wave. I didn't know it was this bad. I, I think this is practically, this, this is more like the first wave in Texas. For the most part, it really didn't come to Texas all that much. In the first wave. Like, you hear the stories in other places, but in Texas, you didn't really oh, hear yeah, it. I mean, yeah, it was fairly low compared to, like, New York and California, you know, like the heavy hit uh, heavy uh, hit cities. I'm sure that we have plenty of toilet paper, though, now. <laughs> I, I don't know. If everybody else in my immediate area got the same uh, alert, which I'm sure they did. My phone's telling me to go buy toilet paper. It's time to get toilet paper. <laughs> Oh. Oh. Uh, so what do you think about Genghis Khan and Borkte? I, I don't really know what their relationship entailed. Uh, I think it's it's actually kind of nice of Genghis to make uh, Borte the main wife. <laughs> well, don't yeah. worry about these other wives, darling. You're the, the main one. You're the one that I consult to. But uh, I mean, other than that, I mean, like I said, I, I'm pretty sure that was probably what was expected of the general at the time. <laughs> just, just to have multiple wives, I guess, to have a, a successor, I'm assuming. I, yeah. To have that 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 um that bloodline to yeah. last generations, I'm thinking that's what it was for. But yeah, I've yeah. seen one movie about Genghis Khan, and the funny thing is, he only had one wife in that movie. Was it Borte? It was Borte. But it, it was funny because it was it the movie. Put it, put it as like this wonderful love story with this guy who has his friend <laughs> because it blended the whole story together. Okay. So his friend, um, uh, Tim, uh, Jamuka. Jamuka actually was the main villain throughout the entire thing. So he was always fighting Jamukin through the entire uh, story. But Jamukin in this story was the one that kidnapped his wife instead of helping him at the beginning. Well, you know, so, it's Hollywood. Uh, I don't even know if it was Hollywood. Uh, 
it, it was an old movie. Oh, okay, maybe it wasn't. Maybe, I, yeah, it was. It was. Um, and the funny thing is, in the in the movie, his son Jamu, uh, was Jamukin's son, and uh, so so, and I think in the movie, oh, Genghis the, Khan only the, had one son. Oh. That son became his successor. What a uh, so, what a wildly inaccurate, wildly uh, inaccurate. <laughs> and and then at the end, the, it was it is way off. Um, but so this Jamukin guy goes from like one ally to the next ally, and every time Genghis Khan beats him, he retreats and finds a new ally, which is a, like another group that Genghis Khan would defeat. And at the end, it's just uh, Jamukin and. Uh, Genghis Khan and they're having their battle and Jamukin goes in for this charge at um, Genghis Khan and Genghis Khan army splits and there's cannons and they just obliterate. Yeah. <laughs> and they obliterate um, Jamukin as he's running charging across this field and it's just uh, Jamukin uh, Jamukin's army breaks and Jamukin's left alone and him and Genghis Khan duel it out <laughs> Okay. So dumb. Did uh, Teddy Roosevelt come out of nowhere? <laughs> um, what time period am I in? <laughs> oh, Genghis Khan. I've always wanted to meet you. This is Bigfoot. <laughs> I'm sure that, he, that Genghis Khan would perfectly understand him. <laughs> uh, if that happened, that would have made the movie ten times uh, better for me. And I think that the it was this movie was made back in the time of like Ben-Hur. Have you seen Ben-Hur? I've heard of it. I have not seen it. It's an interesting movie. I know it's a. Uh, it was one of those highly uh, uh, a high production value movie, right? Mm-hmm. I think it had some of the best actors at that time in that yeah. movie, and it broke um, a record for yeah. a, a many extras. It had a, this acclaimed soundtrack. And <laughs> Wasn't it like three hours long, though? Yeah, and top of the line uh, choreography and amazing stunts for the time. Yeah, I, I, I do want to watch it just because it's one of those like films in cinema you have to watch at least once. Okay, so there's, a, there's this part in there where um, there's this famed part, uh, the chariot race. Um, and in this chariot race, uh, you'll see this guard get clipped by uh the chariot and that is actually what happened um that was not planned at all that guard actually gets clipped by the chariot oh wow and he actually doesn't survive from that yeah but they didn't reshoot the scene so well i mean his acting was top notch right i mean you can't get that kind of uh a reaction uh, it, but it's, it's not something you have to, I, I think you can see it if you, I, I noticed it the first time through. Um, but it's not like it's in the main focus of the screen because it wasn't like they, they were expecting that to happen. It's something you see in the background. I'll pro- uh, I can probably notice it, but yeah. I, I, maybe not in the background. Maybe it's like in the corner of the screen or something. Uh, I'll add it to the, the list of movies I need to watch <laughs> along with the, the Godfather as soon as I find the right version to watch. But I've actually never seen a Genghis Khan movie. I don't think there are too many of them anyway. Uh, no, there's not. Um, there's actual, <clears throat> actually a few that aren't made in in Hollywood. They're made overseas by actual um, Mongolians, I think. That would be interesting. But the funny thing is, the the movie that I saw where he had one wife, it was like this love um, comedy, not comedy, love drama 
movie. Uh, anyway, and I was like, wait a minute. I, I think I know why they didn't add in all the concubines. Because, like, I, I think that there was uh, a little... It would have been like a love story for the time, like super romantic way back in the day of, oh, yes, Genghis Khan, when he was just a little bitty uh, warlord and not in charge of all that many things, rallied together an army, went and captured uh, and, uh, all the uh, merkits or whatever uh-huh. back in those days where uh, that was normal. But could you imagine them trying to make a, an accurate story and frame it as a love story <laughs> where he's like, yeah. I married this woman and her sister. <laughs> and her best friend. And her sisters. I, no, no, like, seriously. Two of his most famous wives. He conquers this empire, um, kills this guy, uh, this king. He, he finds his... Um, his, one of his daughters, and he's um, he's doing his thing with his with his, his enemy's daughter, and she's uh, <laughs> in the midst of it. Asks him not to discard her uh, like trash once they're done, uh-huh. and he's like, okay, and she's like, uh, and my sister too, and he's like, okay. <laughs> <laughs> the, the guy just killed her father like probably an hour beforehand. <laughs> I, I don't know. Oh my god! Uh, so uh, different anyway. times, huh? Yeah. Can you imagine, you imagine if trying it, to make that into a love story? It wouldn't work. You, <laughs> you'll kill my father. I will marry you. But can you imagine if, like the the marriage tradition, uh, like carried over through the times and like spread throughout the world, where you have to go into whatever girl's family you want to marry, right? Work mm-hmm. for them for years until uh, you become of age, I guess. I don't know. Oh. Can you well, imagine that? Boy, like, no, no one would get married. I don't know. Maybe. I, I, have to, I have to work for you to get married? Eh. It, it, it depends. It'd be like, wait, I get to get away from my family? I get a new family? I get to leave my current family? Because, I, I mean, have you bumped into people who get along better with their in-law more than they do their birth family. I don't know the. I don't know anyone who gets along well with anybody. Period. Oh well, I know a few people that they get along much better with their in-laws. And the funny thing is, <laughs> I've met people who got along so well with their in-laws that after they got a divorce, they still hung out with their in-laws all the time. It's like, yeah, this is my uh, sister's ex. We're like <laughs> brothers. Um, he, he didn't get along with my sister too well, but hey. <laughs> In fact, we he gets along better with me than him, uh, her. <laughs> it, it, oh well. Anyway, I think that might be like a hill country thing. Because <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I've definitely heard of that when I lived on, in that part of uh, Texas, but over here in the big city, nah. But here's the thing: um, back when along the Guadalupe River, back when it was just a a lumber yard because they would cut down the big cypress trees here for shingles. I think they, they, they would use the trees and they used the water as a, 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 a lumber saw. Anyway, uh, back when that happened, uh, mm-hmm. there's actually a few stories of similar stuff that happened uh, in the hill country in Texas. Like there was this fella and he was uh, taking his children west through Texas and they stopped along and they met this uh, entrepreneurial uh, fella Uh and they were sitting there talking and um, the the entrepreneur guy said, huh, I kind of like your daughter. Um, (laughs) If 
I was to marry, what would it take to convince you to marry her? Uh, for blah, what would it take for me to convince you to leave her here so I can marry her? And he's like, yeah, not much. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So yeah, there and the, there was another one where this fella. It was like um, that I've ran. Um, it was almost like a mail order, practically. Um, uh, this fellow had written this letter. Um, no, no, no. He had gone into town. He met this girl. And then like four years later, he wrote her a letter proposing to her through this letter. He only met her once, wrote her a letter four years later, haven't seen her, and said, if you want to marry me, I have land out in the middle of Texas. And I'm doing quite well, but I there's only guys out here. <laughs> Oh, okay. It's the gist of the letter. And um, she arrived on a stagecoach like a few months later. Stagecoach? Was this 1800s? Yeah. That's crazy. Well, well. So it's not too long ago that they had weird stuff that happened like that, and people didn't think it's weird. So you, you've got to wonder, who's the weird ones? Is it us or is it them? Definitely them. <laughs> Are you sure? Yeah, I'm, I'm positive. Of course, you know, I don't condone marriage, period. So. Says the married man. You li- you live and learn, you know? <laughs> you know, you were telling me never get married before you got married. Uh, was I? I think I was telling you as I was getting married. Okay, maybe maybe it was like the week after you got married or something. <laughs> I think you were showing somebody um, your wedding pictures off of Facebook or something. Uh, but I have told a bunch of people in the past never to get married, and I was right. Before we get uh, too crazy into this uh, chat, uh, go ahead and end the podcast. So thank you for listening to Bizarre Conspiracies. If this is something that you like that's uh, different from the paranormal stuff, uh, I think we're going to carry on doing it, at least for a couple more times, because I do want to talk about Alexander the Great, probably one of my favorites. Um, I do want to talk about the Spartans, but I don't know too much about the Spartans other than what I've seen in the movies. <laughs> so oh. uh, I would have to actually uh, read some uh, some Spartan history, which I'm sure will be fascinating. I, I've done uh, a lot of studying into uh, Greek mythology, so I knew a little bit about ancient Greek, and then I got in an argument over a fella over who was better, ninjas or uh, Spartans. <laughs> <laughs> So I did some reading up on Well, Spartans. you know, ninjas would be better, Conrad. Jeez. Right. That's what I was saying. <laughs> anyway. Uh, that's totally an anime I need to watch. But the thing is, he started the whole argument itself. I was saying samurai are better than ninjas, and then, but ninjas are still better than Spartans. And he was like, no, it's only ninjas. Whatever. Anyway, the point is, I went home and I read up on Spartans and then came back and was like, in your face. <laughs> that movie that you're talking about is all wrong. So, like, the, the Battle of the 300 is way blown out of proportion. It's it's almost entirely fictitious. There's only, like, a I, little I, bit I, I that remember, made it. I remember watching a documentary about the real 300 Spartans, mm-hmm. and I kind of remember being very disappointed. <laughs> I was like, oh, obviously Hollywood, right? Yeah. But uh, still Because the, it's more like the battle of the, what, 14,300 instead of the 300. There's, there's a lot of people who didn't get credit who were actually there. So, I there yeah, there are other uh, historical events that I do want to cover. Um, and who knows? Maybe, like, when... Because, you know, they have... I don't know if 
Have you seen the 300 movie? Um, not the entirety. Do you, have you seen the part where they came against the, the mystic, uh, oh, what was it? The Indian army, the mystic Indian army, the, uh, the ones that never died in quote. Oh, uh, you mean the, uh, the, the undead. Yeah. The immortals. There you go. I want to know if there's real, uh, like mysticism that they believed uh, in back then. No, no, no. Seriously. The, uh, 1000 immortals are a thing. We so need to cover that. <laughs> um, the the story behind it is the the Persian fellow had a standing army of a thousand um, soldiers at all times, and there was a long waiting list to who could get on to the um, uh, immortal legion. And when somebody on the Immortal Legion died or retired or got kicked off or whatever, uh, a new fellow would step in to replace it. Yeah, so ah. that was the Immortal Legion. <clears throat> That's really I, cool, though. I don't know how the Immortal Legion was portrayed in the movie. Oh, they were portrayed like there were these zombies, un- undead army of hell or something. <laughs> oh, and, no. then, and then King Leonidas is like, he just came charging in with this. Look, they can bleed, they can die. <laughs> So if you uh, if you like it, then there definitely is more coming. I can guarantee you that. So another thing that's kind of weird. Um, I kind of like to uh, mention weird facts that I hear every now and then. You know how like Marco Polo met Kublai Khan? Uh-huh. It's just kind of like one of those moments where like two famous things meet up together and nobody even knows about it. You know the the, the so after the. After they killed all the uh, Spartans there, they went on and they fought a different battle in Greece. The um, the Persians did. Uh-huh. They fought another battle in um, Greece and they lost there. And that was when they invented the uh, marathon <clears throat> was that battle uh, later on. That, uh, so it was the Battle of Marathon. And the fellow ran from uh, the Battle of Marathon to the nearest city as a messenger to tell them that they won the battle and <clears throat> at the end of the running he exhausted himself so much that he died so he's and the distance between the battle of marathon to the city that he ran is about a marathon yeah so when you run a marathon you're copying the distance it took for a fellow to kill it to die <laughs> run himself to death <laughs> um, yeah, um anyway uh, that was brutal the uh, Persian king that invaded Greece after he was defeated and went back to Persia is uh, also said to be the same king that married Queen Esther of the Bible. Really? Yeah. And apparently, what? if you read the Bible, there's this one point in it where he maybe you, maybe you know the answer. He had two wives or something. There was like a. How, do you remember how that whole story goes? I have no idea. Of Queen Esther? I, um, I don't remember too well. But at like one point, he puts on like a beauty pageant, right? And he selects Queen Esther, right? Uh, I guess. I did. Anyway. I need, I need to brush up on it. I think at like one point, he gets a divorce. And then in the next chapter, it says he's putting on... He said after the after some time or something like that, he uh, went and put on a beauty pageant to select a new wife. <laughs> the rumor goes that between those two chapters is when he went to Greece and got defeated. Because <clears throat> hmm. it says something like uh, he remembered that he divorced. Uh, he went off. Uh, it says like he divorced her, and then after these times, he remembered that he divorced her or something like that, and he went looking for a new wife. And the story goes that what happened is he went. He divorced her, went off to war, and then came back and it's like, "Honey, I'm home." Oh, that's right. 
have a wife. <laughs> and they went looking for another. I see. Interesting. I don't know how much of that's true. I don't know. Let's look it up. <laughs> it's funny how, like, all the... That would be funny if those stories connected. <laughs> Because that means there could be a like, timeline the, that we don't know like, about. Like the uh, the story of Esther ends with a, and then they all lived happily ever after, right? After I forget, there was like uh, whatever. It ends with I all live happily ever after, and then they should put like dot dot dot, and then Alexander showed up <laughs> <laughs> because that's what happened after uh, they invaded Persia. Uh, after Persia invaded, there was then a civil war broke out in Greece, and then at the end of the civil war, Macedonia took over everything under Alexander's father. Mm. Place and then after that, um, Alexander then marched into Persia. So, new ending to the story of Queen Esther. What were we talking about? <laughs> were we trying to wrap up the podcast? Yeah, <laughs> uh, so in conclusion, uh, Alexander uh, Genghis Khan lived a very interesting life, Alexander Khan, and he brought many new things into the world. Uh, or spread many new things around the world, like gunpowder, uh, paper currency, DNA, uh, lots of DNA, um, uh, roads over Asia. What else? Um, meritocracy as opposed to uh, lineage. Oh, he also put into place uh, laws uh, for immunity of ambassadors. So that way, when you send uh, an ambassador to a new country, they're not allowed to hurt him and nobody's allowed to touch him. And the other country that receives him is supposed to protect him against all harm. Mm. <clears throat> I guess Genghis Khan really didn't like people killing his... Uh, ambassadors you think probably not well here's the thing i'm going to create a new international law and you can say i can't do that but uh i'm going to do that and that is you can't kill my ambassadors that is the only rule international law i have do not kill my ambassadors and i will back up that law <laughs> mm -hmm. i don't know who has this idea of like genghis khan has conquered china mongolia uh lots of other places around town right He's he's marching around and he's he's kicking butt. And then he's sending some fella a caravan to trade with you in your empire and open up friendly relations. And you decide, I'm going to rob him. And then he sends ambassadors to be like, um, I think you robbed us. Could you explain that? And you're like, off with his head. Um, I they, have get, they have to be a fool to do that to Genghis Khan. Uh, yeah, I'm pretty sure that Sultan had no idea what he was doing. He's like, I bit off a little more than I could chew. I'm not but afraid of <laughs> Genghis Khan. <laughs> what could this fellow in the desert, in the Gobi Desert, possibly have to teach me about the art of war? What has he done? What is it? Oh, he conquered all of China? Oh, hell! <laughs> 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 wouldn't it be funny if that was like a small miscommunication where like he was talking to some fella and he was like oh maybe we should just put the what ifs on the patreon <laughs> but yeah um genghis khan did a lot of wonderful things and a lot of terrible things and he did like his women yes indeed <laughs> well, i suppose that would be it thank you for listening we'll catch you in the next one